hello everybody. Um, so I wanted to just get on here and record just a quick kind of solo episode about where we are at with the COVID-19 coronavirus. And I didn't want to do any of the fanfare introduction music ads, nothing crazy at all, because I just want to speak to you guys kind of from my heart and where we're at. And also um, just to have you maybe take into consideration some things that you may not have, have thought of yet. Um, so I think, you know, kind of the one thing that keeps coming to me during all of this, and one thing that I want to encourage all of you out there is to critically think for yourselves and your facilities about the situation. And I know that sounds, you know, really cliche, but I think now more than ever, that's so important. And and I say this because I keep seeing, um, you know, blanket statements made by other professionals or even, you know, other uh, professions. You know, we've had that statement from um, the ENT group about fees. Uh, we've had statements made by other professional organizations. But what I think is important to remember is that we as speech pathologists are an autonomous profession. And what another profession says about what they're doing may or may not be a good idea for our situation in our facility. So that's that's really what I wanted to stress here today and to kind of, you know, make sure that everybody's aware of the different organizations that are reputable. You know, I know that, you know, daily basically the the CDC and CMS and ASHA is doing a fantastic job of keeping us up to date of where things are at today and at this moment in time. And you know, the craziness about this is that it is changing daily, hourly, you know, by the minute. Um, you know, even I just got notification that you can now do, you can now offer private pay services to your, uh, to Medicare beneficiaries for telepractice, which if I had recorded this 10 minutes ago, that wouldn't have been possible. But um, what I want to do is I want to encourage you all to keep up to date with the CDC, with CMS and, and with ASHA. Like I said, ASHA is doing a phenomenal job of keeping us all up to date on what's going on. And then from there, you can make the best decision for your facilities. And I think I think now more than ever, this is, and, I, and I've seen a lot of other people talk about this too, this is our time to be key team players. Um, you know, go to your infection control and talk to them about what other groups are doing, what you're feeling, what you think is the best situation for your facility. You know, there's there's some facilities that have tons of COVID-19 positive patients. There's others that have none and nobody that's even been tested. You know, so we have this such wide gamut of situations that we're all dealing with. And we have everything from, you know, the ICU acute care to IPR to SNF to home health to outpatient to private practice that to be able to make these blanket statements about what our profession should and shouldn't be doing right now I think is is dangerous and it's it's not how we should be practicing so um, but I really just wanted to come on here and and encourage you all to open the dialogue within your facilities and you know make a decision about what you think is the best way to serve your patients at this time and and it's not just about serving your patients but it's about protecting yourself as well. And I mean that both as in physically, as in making sure that you have the PPE that you are confident treating your patient in, and also emotionally and mentally. And I know Headspace is offering, it's a meditation um, app, they're offering it free for anybody in healthcare that has an MPI number. So 
you know, you've got to take care of yourself. It's, it's kind of like the oxygen mask analogy on an airplane. You know, you've got to take care of yourself before we can take care of our patients and our, and our facilities. Because if you get knocked out of this, then, you know, you're no good to your patients. So um, what's, what's really, you know, been going all around is all about this, this PPE and what we feel is necessary and appropriate. And the CDC and ASHA have made statements about what's considered what they recommend PPE to be used for in different settings and for different procedures and, you know, take that and interpret it and see if it, it reflects your setting or not. And then have those discussions with your DORs and with your infection control and make sure everybody's on the same page. And, you know, like I said, this is a time for us to be key team players here. And if there's not enough PPE to go around, then it might be time to kind of back off and support our frontline colleagues that are trying to save people's lives. Um, and I, and I don't say that lightly. I think what I, I love our profession and I love that we've, we've come really far. I feel in, in, a, in a, the last few years about, you know, setting the tone that we are this autonomous profession that we deserve to be treated, you know, and we deserve, we deserve to be treated well, and we deserve the respect of our colleagues, and, and we deserve to be on those front lines with the physicians. But I think at this moment in time, if we have to give up PPE for a critical care doc to save someone's life, I think that probably takes precedent over us using it to do a fees to upgrade a diet at this time. And like I said, I, I don't say that lightly, but I think these are the things that need to be considered. And I think we've gone from this approach of quality of life. You know, what we do is we really try to improve our patients' quality of life through through eating, drinking safely. But at this time, kind of the entire healthcare system has switched to these life-saving measures. And I think we really need to be key team players in that. And, and with that, I believe that we still can be key team players and we can provide a ton of value to our colleagues and our patients we just have to get a little creative about how we do that. And, you know, I've had some awesome conversations with a few colleagues lately. You know, they're standing outside of a patient's room and, you know, they're telling a nurse how to administer the Yale Swallow Protocol or, um, you know, examples like that where we are definitely being consulted, but we are not using up that PPE to be in the room, um, you know, doing the procedure or, or administering, you know, a Yale Swallow Protocol while the nurse is someone that could do that as well. So I think it's a time for us to really, I keep saying be a key team player, but I really just want to emphasize that so much because I feel like those are the departments that are really thriving now is the ones that are coming together and realizing how they can all work together and you know not be wasteful with the PPE, but help these patients as much as we can. And, you know, and, and on that note about fees, I, I know there's some controversy about whether you should be even doing it in the ICU right now. And and like I said, I'm not going to make a blanket statement about it because I think every facility is so different. And I want you to make the best decision for your facility in accordance with your infection control team and everybody else on your team. But I think there definitely is still a place to do that. And ASHA does say that we still can do it. We just need to have a good documentation of, you know, why we should, why we should be doing it. And, you know, I was having a conversation with a nursing home administrator earlier in the week. And she said to me, you know, the reality is that aspiration pneumonia is still the leading cause of death in these nursing homes here. I can't get my patients out to the hospital for a modified right now. So 
I feel that we should, still should be doing fees in order to get these patients answers. And, you know, whether that is your administrator or your facility's interpretation of, of the, the statement is totally up to you. And I, and I don't want to push that everything should be done this way because every facility is so different. And I think I've said that 97 times so far today, <laughs> but that's really just what I want to drive home that I think now more than ever, this is a time for us to, to think critically and get on the same page with our colleagues in our facilities and support them the best way that we can. And like I said, if that means giving up our PPE for them to be able to go in on the front lines and save someone's life, then that may be what happens that day instead of, of getting that fees done. So, you know, I, 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 there's just so much to consider here. And, um, what, what I also want to say too, is that, you know, listening to the ASHA, you know, position statement and also the CDC statement and CMS, those are all basically bodies that give position statements, but none of that is considered law. And what's super important and what I, what I see some SLPs not being aware of is that your states may be coming up with specific laws if you can be treating or not. And I know of two states as of, as of yesterday that did come out with definitive laws about SLPs being involved in treating. So I think more than ever, make sure, I mean, wake up in the morning and check your state's Department of Health website and see if anything has been said about SLPs and, and if you can treat, if you're considered essential, if you're non-essential, you know, I know that's, that's controversial right now too, is our, should be, we be considered essential? Should we not? I don't have the answer for that, but, um, and, and I'm not sure that you want to bark up that tree with your governor either, but on the other hand, it's, you have to know whether you are considered essential or non-essential if you're supposed to be, you know, reporting to work now. So, um, that's really just what I wanted to bring to light is that, you know, your states may have actual laws about what way you can and cannot practice right now. So that's the most important thing to look at. Um, you know, I think there, there's there's so much to talk about here, and I, and I don't want to ramble on forever and ever and ever here, but, um, but, you know, what I wanted to say, and I'm going to reiterate again, is, you know, Nobody can tell you what is right in your setting because each of us have our own circumstances and our own context to consider. Um, your facility may have a surplus of PPE. They may have none. Um, there's a lot of things to consider as far as, you know, your own facility, whether COVID is running rampant or there's been no cases. Um, you know, is are you guys pre-screening the patients for COVID before you even consider if they should be, you know, picked up on your caseload? So, now more than ever is the time to use that noggin and make a good educated decision as best you can and document as best you can about why you feel your services are needed right now and why this patient patient needs it. But, you know, especially for some of those positive or, um, you know, PUI patients, this may be the time for us to give up our PPE and give it to, you know, the, the front lines, front lines people. And, and I, and I say that very cautiously because I, don't want to say we need to give up our profession. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I just want to encourage everybody to really lean in and do what you can in your facilities. See if you can help out from afar. See if you can be more of a consultative role instead of using that PPE and being at the bedside with everybody. You know, what can be done from you talking to the nurses or the respiratory therapists or the doctors. But, you know, I think we're going to play a huge, huge role in this once this is all over 
you know, we're going to have a whole crap ton of post-extubated patients when this is all over. Um, and I was talking to a colleague last night who's already gotten a few of these post-extubated patients with major laryngeal injury. And, you know, now this is the time that they're probably much more appropriate for a fees because they have since tested COVID negative. Um, you know, they've gotten the virus out of their system. It's, you know, and now they can get treated by an SLP. So, you know, while these patients are testing positive, I, I don't know what the answer is, whether we should be in there or not. It's, it's a time for you to think critically and work with your team on that. But, you know, I do see a huge need for us on this back end. So if that's what our role is in all of this, then that's what our role is <laughs> in for all of this. And, you know, it's it's difficult to to consider, you know, how conservative should we be? How liberal should we be? And I, I just keep thinking of that, you know, poor life care facility in in Washington. And it's, you know, from what I've heard, it was not some dumpy sniff at all that you keep, you know, sometimes when you hear these horror stories about sniffs, I've heard it's a beautiful, wonderful facility. And, and just for some horrific reason, they were the ones that just had this COVID run rampant. So it, it is important to consider that it's highly contagious, but at the same time, our patients still need us. So yeah, I, I, I really just want you to encourage to encourage you to have these conversations with your colleagues in your own facilities um, and take your take your own health into your own hands. And if you're someone that's high risk, if if you're someone that's pregnant, if you're someone that's elderly, if you have any of these underlying health conditions and they don't have any PPE, you know, use your noggin whether you should go in and treat these patients or not. And something that did come up yesterday was, would it be considered abandonment if you do not treat a patient because you don't have PPE? And I, I'm not a lawyer. This is not legal advice. I don't know the answer to this completely. But what I've read the definition of, ab of abandonment, that comes in when you don't have a reasonable excuse for treating the patient. And I think it would my personal opinion is that it would be reasonable if you do not treat a patient who may be COVID positive and may be having symptoms of it on a pre-screening and you're a high-risk person that doesn't have PPE available. You know, I think there's a perfect storm of a lot of things here, but um, I, I think what's going to just win for everybody is just the documentation piece because there are so many things to consider. And I think if you can show and demonstrate that you're completely up to date with what's going on, even though it's changing by the date in the minute and make sure that you include the date in the minute in, in your notes and explain why you made the decision for that patient to do such and such on that date. You know, I think that's how we, that's how we come out of this pretty um, unscathed if that's, if that's possible. But, you know, I, I want to stress, you know, not to make fear-based decisions because I think that's where I, what I keep seeing online is okay, well, we're going to just shut down our fees program or, okay, we're, we're not treating patients at all anymore. And, and if that's what you feel is best, that's what you feel is best. But I think I just want to really encourage people to take every case and every patient just case by case, like we should. I think every patient, you know, some of them are just thrown into this out of nowhere, you know, and, and, and it's unfortunate if we just say blanket, nope, we're not treating anybody. Um, so I, I want to encourage you to really look at each situation as a case-by-case -case basis and, and and see what can be done um, and, and use your noggin. That's, that's really what I just want to stress to everybody today. Um, so this was not, you know, irregularly scheduled programming and I just, I did not feel, I didn't feel okay with just putting out a regular episode this week because everything just feels so dang heavy and everybody's just 
you know, stressed on, on all ends with everything. So I, you know, wanted to just put something out there to support you and, you know, make you feel like you're being heard and, and, you know, you're in this profession for a reason. You're here because you care about your patients. And I think now more than ever is the time to just use your head, think critically for your patient, make the best decision for you and be, 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 please be a team player with the physicians, with the nurses, with infection control, with everybody in your facility, because these are such uncharted waters that nobody has a dang clue what they're doing, or that's not what I meant. No, nobody has a clue how to navigate this is, is what I mean. So um, I'm done rambling for now, but um, just everybody that's out there on the front lines, um, thinking, for, thinking of you, giving you virtual hugs, praying for you, you know, thank you for all that you're doing. Please stay safe. Um, and if there's, if there's anything that I can do to help, you know, get more of the word out about different scenarios that the difficult part about this and why I'm doing this as a solo episode is I had a few people that, you know, are just really in the thick of it, really on the front lines. Um, and I asked them to come share their experiences, but their facilities would not let them just because it's such, there's so many things that are changing by the minute. And I want to respect that. I don't want to ever put anybody on this podcast that, that doesn't feel comfortable or to put their job in jeopardy just because um, I think every facility is being so protective of their own guidelines and regulations because nobody really truly knows what the answers are and who we should and shouldn't be treating and, and what level of PPE we need to be using for every single patient that walks in the door. So um, I want to protect you guys and I don't want to put anybody <laughs> out here to make them feel vulnerable. So um Again, if there's anything that I can do, if, if there is anybody that would like to speak up about their experiences, um, and I, I've got an open mic here, I would love to discuss things with you. But um, above all, stay safe and catch up with you next week.